Welcome, welcome, welcome to the 12th episode of the Naturally Ever After podcast. My name is Nidia Guiti, and by profession, I am a licensed clinical social worker. In this podcast, I share ways to overcome emotional barriers in obtaining our beauty. I firmly, firmly, firmly believe that mindset and perspective shifts how we think and feel about ourselves. So let's get into it. There's no way I could have let the month of September end without talking about PCOS. So PCOS stands for polycystic ovarian syndrome. And the month of September is dedicated to commemorate, well, not commemorate, but I guess bring attention to this syndrome. Now, when I was, I want to say like 14, it was around high school time. I talk about being diagnosed with PCOS and how, Um, not having regular menstrual cycles affecting my relationship with my mom in my book, Unchain Me Mama. I co-authored it in 2019. And in my chapter, which is actually, actually, in my chapter that's called Naturally Ever After, which is how this, part of how this, um, this podcast was birthed. So my chapter is called Naturally Ever After, Forgiving Through Healthy Living. Um, And I want to talk to you all about polycystic ovarian syndrome, but also the meaning of naturally ever after. Naturally ever after is more than just hair. I think that when we think about healthy hair growth and thriving and flourishing, our health starts from within. Our beauty starts from within and how we feel about ourselves, how we feel about ourselves starts from within. And it shows outwardly. So let me give an example. So when we when I talk about like healthy hair growth, yes, products are are, are essential to an extent and important. However, your diet <laughs> is also very essential and very important. And then providing your body the nutrients that's necessary so that your hair can flourish, so that physically you do feel good about yourself, whatever that looks like for you. So I was diagnosed with PCOS and I, in, in, in the book Unchain Me Mama, I share more details about everything that kind of led up to that point. But I do want to share with you today how my diet has helped me so, so, so much in managing my symptoms just a little bit. I mean, there's some things that I still struggle with, but I feel like being intentional about what I put into my body um, hydrating my drinking water, hydrating my body consistently, getting a decent amount of sleep on the regular basis, but most importantly, self-care. And I think that that has been um, paramount in managing my symptoms in a way where I'm getting my cycle more regularly than usual, but I'm still not regular like a person who doesn't have the syndrome. And I feel like for a long time, I struggled with emotionally, I struggled with understanding why my cycle wasn't coming every month. And then being a woman of reproductive age where, you know, the conversation does come up. And it's something that I kind of go back and forth about whether or not I want to have children. Not having a period is like, you know, the questions come up. Is it possible for me? Even if I tried intentionally, could I? So we're going to talk more about PCOS. So let's start by defining PCOS. And I'm, I'm reading this from WebMD, and I'll make sure to add the link to the description of this podcast. But polycystic ovarian syndrome 
by definition, is a hormonal disorder that affects millions of women. Sometimes it's called, I don't know how to pronounce that. You can look it up. <laughs> but any who, what it says on here is that all bodies need both male and female hormones to work right. But a woman with PCOS has too much of the male kind of hormones. This creates problems in your ovaries and you might have irregular periods or no periods at all, which I have myself experienced. And you can get cysts um, in a string of pearl patterns. And then it says PCOS is also a common cause of infertility. And then the condition cannot be cured, but it can be treated. So when it said the cyst part, what came up for me was the surgery that I had. This was in, it was, I remember the date, April 13, 2009. Um, it was literally a month and a few days before I graduated from the University of Vermont. I had this pain and I mean, I've experienced this pain before, but it would like come and go. Like sometimes if I was working out or if I was running or during intercourse, I would feel like this sharp pain out of nowhere and then it would go away. So I remember in my, probably my junior year, yeah, my junior year at UVM, I, you know, the pain was a little bit more consistent and like, I'm the kind of person that I go to the doctor for everything. Like, don't wait. <laughs> I never wait till things get so complicated or ignore how I feel and then go to the doctor. It's like, nope, I'm feeling something, you know, I don't run every single time, but if I do feel some discomfort and then it persists, then absolutely I'm going to go to the doctor. So anyway, this time it was like I was saying my sophomore year at UVM, I, I felt this pain and then I went to the student center and I went to the student center and at the time I didn't have insurance, but I had insurance through the school or, you know, when you pay tuition, you have insurance. So I went to the student center, long story short, <laughs> I went to the student center and then the, the doctor that I met with, she did a pelvic exam and then she goes, oh, um, I feel something here. And then she did a referral for an ultrasound. And then that's when they told me that it was a cyst and that, um, and then I'm here freaking out like, oh my God, like, you know, what do I have to do to remove it? And then she said, you know, you don't really have to remove it. If it continues to, to cause pain, then you, then we can, you know, consult and consider what are the the next steps to have it removed, but it, you've probably had it all your life and it has been growing with you. Now, the kind of cyst that I had was a dermatoid cyst. And this is the, the thing that I'm going to say. I'm not even going to add the link to what a dermatoid cyst in, to what a dermatoid cyst is. You can look that up yourself. But one of the things that my doctor told me is stop looking on the internet for these things that I'm telling you, because you're freaking yourself out every time you come into this office. But in summary, a dermatoid cyst is, um, it has skin cells. So in the dermatoid cyst, it can have hair, it can have fluid, it can even have teeth. It is, the, if, you, if you're curious and you want to look, go ahead. But the thing that I did at the time was I researched these things and I'm looking and reading and I was just grossed out. And then the thought of this thing is in my body was not comfortable. Anywho, that was the kind of cyst that I had, but point is, long story long, that the cyst from my sophomore year up until my, up until my senior year, that two-year time frame, it grew from like maybe a golf ball size, which is when I really started to feel it, feel it, to a grapefruit size. And then 
I remember I had surgery. I was on campus. The person I was dating at the time flew from New York to be with me. And I think that by far at the time, that was one, like one of the sweetest things that someone, when I, someone that I was in a romantic relationship with had did for me because I was under the impression that like, you know, how am I going to keep going to classes and, you know, handling finals? I'm in my senior year and like, I have to have this surgery at this point because I don't know what's going to happen when I no longer have insurance. So he came from New York and he was with me for a few days. It was like a week. Um, I had the surgery and I have not had um, a cyst grow to that size since. And this was in 2009. We're in 2012. So close to, yeah. So we're definitely not in 2012. I'm bugging. (laughs) 2020. So 11 years ago, and I have not had a a cyst grow to that size. And for that, I'm thankful. And I feel like since that surgery, well, even before, but especially since that surgery, um, with the pain that I endured physically and just adjusting and then seeing the cyst, that creeped me out. It was not cancerous, and I'm thankful for that too. Um, But I was very, very intentional about my diet. And for the past 11 years, I've been consistent or fairly consistent, I will say, in consuming leafy greens, in um, my water intake. And there was a, there, there's been, I want to say phases in that 11 years. Cause I, I, when I say consistent in the times that I've been like going hard, like if I want to just have a pescatarian diet and not have any red meat or pork, I've done that or be consistent in my vegetarian diet, do that too over a period of time. I think that where I am right now is incorporating all of the things and not not depriving myself from the things that I enjoy, but being intentional about moderation. Because like one of the things that, like looking back, so when I completely gave up eating meat, which was hard as fuck to say the least, so, so hard, because we live in a world where there's meat everywhere. And like, you know, you get invited to the cookout and you're the one that can't eat. <laughs> Outside of like corn on the cob, if that, if, if they even have that or like the onions and the lettuce and like being vegan is not eating a salad all the damn time. So I really, really struggled with diversifying my food options, especially in social settings, because a lot of the places that I would go to had meat. So the last time, so I, in the 11, in, since 2009, I've had moments for the most part, I want to say that like my diet has been pescatarian. And then I, I dabbled with like eating meat here and there, but I want to say like maybe a handful of times in the past 11 years, more consistently since 2019, August, 2019, to be exact, when my girlfriends and I, we went to curl fest in Atlanta and it was the first time they had curl fest in, in Atlanta. We went to Hattie B's and I was hungry (laughs) the only spot that was nearby and we walked in the in the Atlanta heat it was the only spot that was nearby that had like seating and we went there and I was like you know I don't want to just eat mac and cheese I don't want to just eat sides I'm hungry so I ate I ordered a wing it was just one it cost me two dollars and like whatever change plus tax and I ate it because I was hungry 
But then I was kind of like, you know, I really want to test my body and see if I will get sick if I reintroduce meat into my body again. And, and at that point, I hadn't had meat in like maybe four years. So I was surprised I didn't get sick. And then I started to eat meat with more frequency. I want to say like maybe once a month since then, I'll eat meat. And I started to notice like a shift in my body again. So like since 2000, so let's rewind a little bit. So like 2016, which is when I, no, 2015, which is when I moved to Atlanta. And then when I moved out by myself, it was 2016. August 2016. Yes. So from August 2016 to August 2019, I have been intentional about tracking my cycles. And one of the things that I noticed is that, of course, it wasn't going to come every month because that has not been the case since I was like, what, 11? (laughs) No, nine. Yeah, nine, because that's when I got my cycle. So from like 10 to where I am now, like my cycle has not come every month. But especially that I've been like, like having laser focus in like, okay, well now I really want to track it. How often does this thing come? So from August, 2016 to August, 2019, one of the things that I learned through an app that I use to track my cycle is that my cycle comes on average, like every 45 days or so, which is about every month and a half. So in layman's terms, like every other month, every other month it will come. And then it's like, okay, I'm seeing that it's coming and I'm feeling good about it. This is with not being on birth control. Um, one of the doctors, this is when I lived back in New York, was like, well, we can regulate your period by you being on birth control. And it did help. But then I noticed like the kinds of periods that I was having for me, it's just like, this doesn't look natural. This doesn't feel normal for me. I want to get to a space where I want my body to regulate itself as best as it can. I don't want to hold my body to this impossible expectation that I'm going to have a cycle every 28 days or every month. Like that's not, it wasn't my reality and nor, and, and, and I had divorced the idea that my body was going to get to that point, but I did want to learn, well, what will be natural and regular for the body that I do have? And what I concluded was that it was coming every other month. And I was happy with that. In addition to that, one of the things that I also started to incorporate was the kind of um, sanitary napkins that I was using. Instead of buying the commercial brands, I started like researching organic cottons, things that didn't have dye or any kind of chemicals in it. And I feel like that helped with a lot of the cramping and the pain that I was having because Again, what we introduce to our bodies, anything that's not naturally found in nature is a foreign substance. And depending on how these things are made, like these things can be absorbed into our bodies. And we have to be intentional and careful about that because it can affect our mood, but also how we feel. So, you know, I have my own space. I'm buying like organic tampons and organic liners and I'm feeling better. So it, it just helped me get to a space that's like, okay, now I have, now now I know with with the way that I'm eating and, and the way that I'm taking care of myself that my cycle can come every other month. And I learned that during that time frame. So you're probably listening to this and asking like, well, why did it take you so long to figure out that your cycle is going to come every other month? And I feel like living by myself provided me the opportunity to have full control over what I eat. Like one of the things... If you've been following following me for some time, you know that I've lived with my parents up until I was 28 years old. And it wasn't until I got engaged that I was 
on my own. And I say that with air quotes because I was still living with other people. So when you share space with other people, like you're not shopping for yourself, you're shopping for the household and everybody is not going to have a vegan diet. If anything, like I was clowned for that, but that's another story for another day. So when that relationship ended and I moved out on my own, everything that I bought to eat was for me. I controlled what I ate. And one of the things, and not that I didn't have control, but it's harder. I would say it's a lot harder to give up certain things when these these kinds of foods are still in your space. Perfect example. When I lived at home with my parents, um, this was after college. So I'm like, what, 22, 23? After being at, at UVM for so long, because UVM, one of the things I love about the University of Vermont are the food options on campus and how it's very green there. Like it's about recycling. It's about all natural. And I feel like this is how I started to be introduced to clean eating without even realizing that that's what it was. So after graduating from UVM, I still had the mindset that I was going to continue to eat clean, but it's hard to do that when you go back home and I'm from the Bronx. So it's almost like it's a food desert. There's not a lot of places like I literally had to travel to either like Brooklyn or Manhattan to eat the kinds of foods that I was accustomed to eating on campus when I was at the University of Vermont. In the Bronx, there's a McDonald's within walking distance from each other. There's Burger Kings, there's Taco Bells. And it's not to say that, you know, there's nothing wrong with these foods. If that's what you enjoy, great. But they're not healthy in the long run, especially if you're eating them on a consistent basis. So like, it was just that much harder for me to be intentional about my diet when I moved back home. And then at the house, the freezer has meat. (laughs) All the foods I was trying to avoid or all the foods I was really being intentional about cutting back on were, were, um, in abundance at home. So it was so hard to like, you know, have my smoothies and have, have all of these like clean foods and superfoods when they're not easily accessible to me. And I started to notice that even though I wasn't having my cycle, like what, what regular was for me and I'm going to, what regular was for me wasn't even that. Like when I moved back to New York, in addition to the stress, cause now I'm in grad school, I'm adjusting to like not being out on my own anymore, back in my parents All of that shit made it so hard for me to feel like my normal self. So let's get to potential symptoms of PCOS. And one of the things I can appreciate about my primary care doctor is how like, I mean, just the nature of our relationship is good, but I I like her specifically because she checks me. (laughs) She'll tell me like, Ms. Gwiti, like, what did I say about looking on Google? Like, just come here if you have questions so that you and I can really talk about how these symptoms affect your body, which is what I'm going to get to. So if you look on WebMD, again, whenever you look online for any kind of medical diagnosis, always think, like, pep talk yourself before you do that about how what I'm reading is general And everything that's on this site is not going to be applicable to what I am experiencing in this moment. But it is like a little bit of a blueprint or a guideline of just things to be intentional about. So some symptoms of PCOS can be like darkening or excess, um, darkening of your skin or excess skin. So like skin tags, which I have a few of those, um, mood changes, pelvic pain, weight gain. Um, some people have hair loss or, or... Um, 
too much hair, excess hair. And I'm going to talk about the excess hair part because one of the things that I've been doing, um, so I get laser hair removal treatments on, I think it's like every six to eight weeks because sis is hairy. Like shout out to having a fro that's flourishing, but I don't want my body to have a fro that's flourishing. So this is why I get laser hair removal treatments to reduce the hair growth because before laser hair removal, I could shave at eight o'clock in the morning and by like five, six, no lie, I can feel the hair growing back. And I'm talking about, it feels like, take like a brush, like a bristle brush and like glide your hands over it. Like don't touch it, but just like glide your hands as close as you can to the brush without touching it. That's what my legs will feel like. Any part of my body that I would shave, like within a few hours, I mean, like maybe seven to eight hours after I can feel the hair growing back. And I'm just like, I'm thankful that I have a head full of hair, but like, I don't want, I don't want my hair to grow at that pace in other areas of my body. So I get laser hair removal for that reason. Other symptoms of PCOS include acne or oily skin. I already mentioned darkening of skin, sleeping problems, feeling very, very tired all of the time, headaches. Oh my gosh, headaches, 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 headaches. Diet has helped me manage my migraines. And I think that for me, and I'm going to use myself as an example, for me, when I pay attention to how my body is feeling, I'm better able to reduce a lot of these symptoms significantly. So story time. <laughs> when I was in grad school and moving moving from Vermont to New York was a transition within itself. I'll probably do a podcast about that in the future, but when I moved um when I moved from Vermont, I went to New York or went back home to New York. I was living with my parents and I was in grad school and just the transition from like again being out on my own similar to like having minimal control over like the food that was at home um my stress level was through the roof like it was a it was a life transition like I missed being in Vermont and I never thought I would say that at that time I missed being in Vermont I missed having my space I missed the foods I was eating I just missed the independence that I had when I was um in undergrad and like adjusting to adulting now being back home was different so my migraines were like at an all-time high at that point. And I lost so much weight from the stress. So, so much weight. So I got insurance and then went to go see my primary care doctor. Of course, they put you on whatever medication. And I was just like, you know, I really want to get to the root of what's happening. And I don't want medication to just be thrown at me when I don't feel like I need it. Like, yes, I'm in pain or discomfort rather. Like, what, what, are, the, what are some things that I can do? And the nurse practitioner who was my primary care provider at the time, like mentioned a few diet things. And she said, you know, I just really want you to go see a neurologist just to see, just to get checked out to rule out any other potential conditions. So I went and the neurologist to me wasn't helpful, but I, I was like, you know, if I'm, if I'm in pain and, and if I'm already in pain and I'm feeling so much discomfort, let me at least try some of these medications that are, that are being prescribed. So I went to go see the neurologist. They prescribed amitriptyline, um, which is like a preventive migraine medication um, and a whole bunch of other stuff. And I started to take it. I don't remember the names. 
all of the other names except for the amitriptyline. That one I remember. And I think that one was helpful. But all of the other medications, I was I was instructed to take it every day to prevent the migraines. And then I'm like, no. <laughs> I don't want to take this shit every single day. Like, you all are not listening to me. I want to know what can I do in my day-to-day life that does not involve medication um, or at least reduce the frequency in which I even take these meds so that I can manage these symptoms that I'm telling you are uncomfortable for me. So I took the medication, long story long, I took the medication for like a few months and I did see that it helped a little bit, but it still didn't answer my question as to what can I be doing to get to the root of this. So I stopped taking the medication altogether, which I don't recommend doing. Please, please, please talk to your physician before you do some shit like that. Because my balance, as far as like my mood and how I felt was just off. I was so uncomfortable for for like maybe a few weeks before I got back into a healthy groove of like, okay, I feel, I feel, I feel like my best self again. At the end of this podcast, I'll share a few tips of things to be intentional about. As it relates to diet, and since we are talking about PCOS, it can help with PCOS um, if you have it or if you know someone who does in managing a lot of those symptoms that come with that. So headaches is also a symptom of um, a common symptom of PCOS. Heavy periods. um, I don't really get heavy periods. Well, it, it depends. The way that my cycle flows is that depending depending on the time too because sometimes depending on the spectrum so when it's really really good it comes and it goes in a few days and a few days for me is like five to six days and then where I am now is almost like I'll spot for a few days and then my period comes in the flow and then I'll spot for a few days as it's leaving so like in total it'll take like two weeks. Yeah. Like two weeks, which is a long fucking time. (laughs) It really, really is. And I think that when I'm still learning what it means for my body, when it takes that long for it to play out that way, I don't have the answers. I'm just sharing what my reality is right now. So let's get back to the symptoms. So another symptom, a potential symptom of PCOS is irregular periods, which I mentioned. You may not have one or it'll skip a few months, which is normal. If you if you know that you have PCOS or you think that you do, then definitely consult with a, with your primary care provider just to, you know, figure out what's going on with you specifically and weight gain. I was also reading somewhere else that like diabetes is a potential symptom of PCOS and people who have PCOS are also like insulin resistant. So some in in that case, that that part has not applied to me yet or at all. Let's hope it stays that way. So yeah, these are the symptoms of PCOS. So let's transition now to some tips as it relates to holistic living, healthy living, and living naturally ever after. My tips to being intentional about your diet and what you put into your body. I'm going to share what has helped me. My hope is that this helps you and that you share these tips with other people so that we can truly live naturally ever after and grow from within. So I like giving gifts. Something just came over me like, you know what? 
you need to give a copy of this book away. So I'm going to give, I'm going to mail you a free copy of Unchain Me Mama, The Forgiveness Factor. If you comment on the description of this podcast link, not link, but this podcast on Instagram, it has to be on Instagram, put three yellow hearts, three yellow hearts. The first person to comment three yellow hearts in the post of this podcast, episode 12 of Naturally Ever After, will get an autographed copy of Unchain Me Mama mailed to you free of charge so that you can read more about growing holistically, but also being intentional about paying attention to things that contribute to stress. And I'll even add to that the energies that you keep around you. When we think about holistic living is more than just, like I mentioned, naturally ever after is more than just hair. Although hair is, you know, what brings us here, it's, it's the common denominator in the things that, that, that spark our interest. But when we go a little bit deeper to the root of, well, how can I achieve this level of slay? How can I achieve this level of greatness that I, I, I want to exude outwardly? And we look at the inside, well, we need to pay attention to the things that stress us out and minimize those things, the people and the company that we keep around and moderate those things as much as possible so that we feel good about ourselves, like truly and authentically feel good about ourselves, not just say it. So like I mentioned, the first person to comment three yellow hearts, yellow, not pink, not green, not purple, yellow, <laughs> three yellow hearts on Instagram gets a free book, free autograph copy of Unchain Me Mama, The Forgiveness Factor. Let me read the full title. Unchain Me Mama, The Forgiveness Factor, Lessons Learned on My Journey to Understanding. Okay, so I'm going to share a few tips. Let me see how many tips I have on here. Okay, four tips for overall well-being that have been helpful for me. Let me just say that helpful for me. I'm not saying that if you do all these four things that you're going to have the same successes that I have. It is so, so important for you to consult with your physician, but also pay attention to your body, your body, huge emphasis on the your body part. (laughs) Your body is yours and paying attention to the body in which you're living in, in this season and in this moment is so essential because I feel like comparison Comparison is a thief of joy and it also distracts us from the thing that we have in front of us. So I'm sharing the things that have been helpful for me. My hope is that you can, in in listening to these tips, it starts to jog your own brain of things that you've either done in the past that you should start to reintroduce back to your routine or things that you've been curious about that you want to start implementing. So tip number one is moderation. One thing that I have learned in the past 11 years since this surgery is that I don't have to completely cut out everything from my diet in order to be healthy. And I think that that's a big misconception that's floating around like, you know, well, just stop eating red meat. Or stop eating this, stop eating that. Once upon a time, the foods that we consumed were natural, like completely. I was having a conversation with my mom about um, food and she said, yeah, like, you know, when I was younger, and this is why the people, the people in the generation before me are so healthy because for a, a majority of their lives, for anyone, for the Garifuna community especially, 
a majority of their lives, you know, they live in, they live in the coast. You know, you go to El Monte, which is like the, how you translate Monte in English? Okay, so Google is telling me El Monte means the mountains. I was going to say the field, but whatever. So, you know, they go out and they, they bring yuca, they bring plantains, they bring green banana, all types of food, naturally grown foods. And that's what they were ingesting. Now, my grandmother will be 80. This is my maternal grandmother will be 83. 83, 84 years old, this woman is in great health. The only thing as far as her health as a concern is that she has joint pain. I mean, and she's like her legs, her her joints, her knee, specifically her knee hurts. But outside of that, no diabetes, no high blood pressure, none of that. Like my grandmother is healthy. And I believe it's a lot to do with the food that you eat because if it's not in nature, it really shouldn't be in our bodies. And again, this is a whole nother podcast for another day. But moderation. See, as a person that lives in a city, I can't go to the mountains and pick my own food. I'm not doing that. I, I don't have that accessible to me. So this is why moderation is important. And the way that I moderate is that at home, I don't have shrimp here. I don't have red meat. I don't have bacon. I don't have none of that. I only eat... Um, I would say that at home, I maintain more of a vegetarian diet. And I say vegetarian and not vegan because to an extent, I still consume dairy. So I'll have, I have eggs. Like right now, I'm looking at my fridge. I have, I definitely have eggs in there and I have butter. Yes. Eggs and butter. Oh, and yogurt. Eggs, butter, and yogurt. But that's, I mean, dairy is dairy, so I'm still consuming dairy, so this is why it's vegetarian and not vegan. Had I not had those three things, I would say that right now with the things I have at home, I would, I'm consuming a vegan diet. Yeah, a vegan diet or as close to it, which, man, I've come a long way. This is huge for me, huge, 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 because there was a time where like, there's no way that those would be the only three items that I could have in my house that were like animal-based products. But moderation is important. So at home, I consume a vegetarian diet. And while I'm out, I allow myself to have meat. So if I go somewhere with the friend, and of course, this is pre-COVID because I'm not really going out. I was just, I got off the phone, story time to the story time to the story time. I was talking to my girlfriend Yannick. And shout out to Yannick if you're listening to this. And I was telling her how I hadn't left the house since like in like what, four or five days. Like the most, the most I, the most I leave my apartment is to go to my patio space, which is where I have my hammock. But outside of that, like I've been home. And today, ironically, I just went outside to go check the mailbox and I felt winded. So I need to get back into physical activity a little bit so that I don't feel so so out of breath by just walking to the mailbox. But anyway, while I'm out, I'll allow myself to have like a burger if I care to have one or chicken if I care to eat that or shrimp even if I feel like it. And that moderation has been helpful for me because I get I still get to enjoy the foods that I like. Like eat what you like. What I am recommending is to moderate it. Just because I like shrimp does not mean that I need to eat it every day. Just because I like an occasional burger here and there does not mean that I have to eat it every day. And burger, whether it's meat or um, meatless, 
bean I like bean burgers. Those are like I love that. Or even like artificial meats that kind of give you the impression that you're eating meat but it's not really meat. Be careful with that too. Because there's things that 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 those um those products have that again, not found in nature that we're introducing to our bodies. And if you have if you're like me and you have PCOS, you're probably super sensitive to that kind of stuff which can throw your your body or the rhythm of your body off. So just be intentional about the kinds of foods that you eat. So tip number one is moderation. What works for me is at home, I eat for the most part a vegetarian-based diet. And while I'm out, I enjoy what I feel like it or what I feel like eating in that moment. Now, I don't eat out lately, especially because of COVID. I'm not eating out as much as I used to, which has been a blessing within itself to teach me, reteach me, but also like reset my body to, uh, to a space where I'm being more intentional about cooking. So at home, for the most part, I eat a vegetarian diet. So moderation is tip number one. Number two, rest. Rest is essential. Rest is essential. Repeat it with me. Rest is essential. Breathe it in. Rest is essential. Exhale. Rest. (laughs) Okay, exhale for real. Rest is essential. We are not robots. And I'm pausing so that you can take that in. You are not a robot. We are not robots. There are times where you might have to work a little more than you normally do to accomplish whatever goal that you set for yourself. That's not what I'm making reference to. But it should not be so consistent where you are depriving yourself of essential things that your body needs to function at optimal level. And rest is one of them. We have to rest. Story time. When I was in grad school... I think this is probably the first time I had like a panic attack. Um, I was in grad school. I think I slept. I don't even remember if I slept, but it definitely was not long enough. I had so many things. I was so stressed out. Like I mentioned before, my migraines were at an all-time high. Just adjusting from leaving Vermont to moving back home. Um, I was, I was, sis was going through it. Sis was going through it. So I woke up. I had a paper. I had a paper to write. So I remember finishing finishing that assignment, I probably took a nap for like an hour and then I had to get ready to go to my internship on the other side of town. And I, my parents live in the Bronx still to this day. And my internship was in upper Manhattan. So I had to take a train and two buses to go over there. It was cold. I had not slept. I don't even know that I ate, but I was in a rush and I left. I did not make it past maybe like four train stops from where I live. And then I had to get off the train. If you live in New York, don't don't you dare be sick on the train. <laughs> that is the worst thing for you to do in the city of New York. Get sick on the train and not get off. Um, because then it just delays train traffic and then people are not kind and all this other jazz. So I, enough, luckily... I felt myself feeling hot and it was freezing that day. I was able to get off of the train and I sat on the bench on the platform and my heart was just racing, y'all. Ooh, I'll never forget it. My heart was just racing and for it to be so cold outside, let's just say it was like 20 degrees that day. I was sweating, sweating profusely and like, it was almost like I couldn't even catch my breath. And finally, I was able to catch my breath. I called my mom. My mom took a cab and she came to get me. And then she took me home. I called I called my internship, let them know that I wasn't coming in. And my mom had a talk with me. She was like, I get that you have a lot of things that you want to accomplish. 
but please understand that you're not going to be around to see it if you keep living like this. And I was just like, what do you mean living like this? She goes, mama, like, tu no dormiste? Translation, you didn't sleep. Tu casi no duermes. Yo a ti te veo de que tu te levantas. Tu sales aquí, tu sales allá. Tu estás estudiando. Yo me levanto para ir al baño y tú todavía estás des- y tú todavía estás despierta. Eso no es bueno para el cuerpo. Let me pause and let me pause real quick so I can translate what I said because I just went complete into Spanish mode. <laughs> okay, I'm back. I didn't replay it. I'm just gonna translate what I remember. So in a nutshell, what my mom was saying was, you know, I get that you have goals and that you you're trying to do a lot of things, but you're not gonna be around to enjoy in a nutshell, the the fruits of your labors, if you're like digging yourself to the ground, you need rest, beloved. Mama, you need to sleep. (laughs) So that day I was home when she dropped me off. She, we took a cab back. She cooked me breakfast. I ate, which was probably the first time I ate in, I don't know how long, like a full meal. Like I nibbled, but I wasn't eating the way that I was supposed to. I ate, she went to work and I slept. Y'all, when I tell you that I knocked out, I woke up probably to use the restroom like around, and again, completely speculating, but late in that evening, this was in the morning. I left the house like at seven something. My mom went to work. She came home for lunch. Apparently she tried to talk to me. I was knocked out. Then I don't remember that. By the time I woke up, the kids were getting ready for bed. And this was like maybe nine, 10 in that evening. And I was still tired when I woke up. So rest is essential. Understand that rest is essential in order for you to do your duties and your tasks and everything that requires your attention. You need to sleep and restful sleep and be intentional about restful sleep. One of the things that I've incorporated, um, in my life now to make my bedroom a peaceful space is that number one, I don't have a TV in there. Sleep. My bedroom is for sleep, period. I don't have a TV in there. I have um, a humidifier that I put essential oils in. I think it's called a humidifier. The thing that like lets off steam and then you put essential oils in it. And it's to me, it is amazing. Lavender for sleep is so good. I also finally, finally put up some curtain rods um, and I got blackout curtains to make my bedroom as dark as it can be so that I'm not distracted by light. Um, and that for me has helped me so much. Um, even, in, even on the nights where I don't sleep, I don't, even on the nights, like let's say if I stay up really late and really late for me, um, it's like one or two in the morning. And I, I try to, I'm trying to get back into the swing of maintaining a routine So I don't sleep anymore or I'm working towards not sleeping anymore past eight o'clock in the morning. So if I go to bed at one, two o'clock, I mean, that's still enough time where I got a decent amount of sleep, but like, let's just say I go to sleep at one, two o'clock and then I wake up like around seven 30, eight o'clock. That's not the the normal amount of time that I want to give myself to sleep. Like 10, 11 would be the ideal time that I go to bed. But even when, even on the nights where I don't give myself the my normal full amount of sleep, I still wake up rested. And I think it has a lot to do with just the ambiance and the energy and the environment that I've created in my bedroom so that I can get restful sleep. I don't eat in my bedroom. I don't do work in my bedroom. Hell no. 
My bedroom is not for me to do work. This is what the living room is for. This is what the patio space is for. When I go to my bedroom, it's almost like I programmed it so that my body can understand that when you enter this space, it is to rest. So rest is essential, which is number two. Number three is drink water. Um, to kind of go back to the moderation piece, I don't drink juice at home. Um, to drink here, I only have almond milk, um, water, and wine. <laughs> wine and some rum. Um, but even like the alcohol, it's not really something that I consume on a regular basis. It's here as leftovers from when I have my sister's meeting, um, my monthly sisterhood meeting with my girlfriends. Shout out to Victoria and Mirtha. Mirtha especially, because I know that you're listening to this one. Um, but yeah, wine. Water, wine, almond milk, and wa- well, water, wine, almond milk, and rum. But water being the thing that I drink consistently throughout the day. How we hydrating, excuse me, hydrating our bodies is essential. And you figure out how much water you need to consume for your body type and whatever goal that you're trying to set for yourself. But I feel good when I am drinking the sufficient amount of water, specifically from my migraines, because I notice, which is going to lead me to my next point. I notice that when I don't drink a lot of water. I I get headaches more often. So my next point is meditation. Meditation, one of the things that I've learned about meditation is to be present with my body and how I'm feeling in the moment, which kind of parallels a little bit to IFS, which is internal family systems. With IFS, I learned to be more intentional about what to do with feeling present. Meditation taught me to just be present. Forget what comes up, like just be present in that moment. Um, and then in my notes, I put arrows with the meditation part. So with yoga, tantric yoga, it's, it has taught me to pay attention to what's going on around my body. I don't have to do anything with what I'm feeling, but to just pay attention to the feeling and, and, and to, and to bring focus to the thing in that moment. So like, to kind of give y'all an example, so I'm sitting on my couch, I'm report, I'm recording this podcast, and I'm not thinking about my toenail, although I'm looking at it, but now that I'm pausing and paying attention to that part of my body, it's like, okay, I can feel, see, now, now I can feel my toe, like, I can feel, I'm paying, because I'm paying more attention to it. I'm saying this all to say that meditation has helped me be present with my body and to pay attention to parts of my body that I want to focus on. But just in general, pay attention to what's going on with my body while, while and when it's happening. Another thing the meditation has helped me um, with is getting in tune with my inner sexy. And not that it ever left. Let me say that because it hasn't. And <laughs> it hasn't. But... Being present with my body, loving my body in all of the phases that it exists in, when I feel very confident about it, when I'm bloated, when I have cramps, or when I'm just like, eh, being present with the body that I have in the time that I have it is something that has been so, so helpful for me. And I think that I feel like meditation has helped me be present in that moment and focus on the good that my body is doing for me. Like every day my body gets up. Every day my body um, 
cooks breakfast for me, lunch and dinner, now that I can't go out to all of my favorite restaurants. Every day my body does some form of physical exercise for me. Every day my body does something. So it is important for me to be good to my body, continue to be good to my body so that we can progress and move forward. And I think for me, that that's what meditation has done. I also want to add another physical activity that I've been interested in and involved when is involved in is pole fitness. I was introduced to pole fitness, I want to say in like 2008 or like 2007, 2008. Um, and then I used to go to a lot of um, pole studios with my girlfriend when I would go visit her. And I, I said to myself, like, this is a great workout. And it is. It is. <laughs> don't think, don't be fooled by what you see on Instagram, Facebook, and the these internet streets. Pole fitness is a workout. There's a lot of upper body strength that is necessary in order for you to lift your body, do turns and spins and all types of stuff. So I actually have a pole in what's what is supposed to be my dining room space. My, my, my goal has been to be more intentional about doing routines and flow as opposed to just different tricks. So like I'm able to climb, I'm able to do a few spins, but I'm still learning how to do routines. So meditation and pole fitness has definitely taught me how to be present with my body and appreciate the, the body and the skin that I'm in, in the moment. And those are my tips. So let's recap. The first tip is moderation. Enjoy what you enjoy, beloved. If you want to eat, eat. But again, moderation. Um, I Like I mentioned earlier, I keep a vegetarian diet or I try to maintain a veg- vegetarian diet at home. And then I eat meat and fish or seafood while I'm out. Um, rest, which is number two. Rest is very essential. So be intentional about getting a good night's nice rest. And if you don't sleep well, Schedule a nap during the day. Um, Drink water. So hydrating your body, super important. Number three. Number four, meditation. And then there's two hours or two bullet points under meditation, which is tantric yoga or just yoga and then pole fitness. So that concludes my episode on polycystic ovarian syndrome and some tips that have helped me along the way in managing symptoms, but also feeling good about myself in the process. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Like this episode, share this episode with someone that you feel like can benefit from it. And I look forward to our next conversation. Adios.